This is Hitting the Mark. Conversations with founders about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success. With your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Geierhalter. Yeah, I think people just need to have a point of view, right? Like it's all point of view, especially in your early days. You don't really know what you are. And I would say we were... I was very lucky in swag in many ways because I had the experience in the promotional product industry from 12 years prior. So I knew what I was not. I knew that what I didn't want to be. I knew I knew with the old experiences, I know how broken the industry was. And then I was realizing who the current buyer is. So how do I appeal to today's buyer? So from the very beginning, I had a very distinct focused point of view. So I think anytime you're starting a business, you might not know exactly and things could adapt. And as you see, tons of companies change their logos and their colors and you know, their experience over time. And that's part of the business. I'm sure we'll change certain things over time as well. Um, but I think from the get go, just having a really strict point of view that is adaptable and that could change and that could grow as your customers grow. And as you learn really who you are. This was Jeremy Parker from swag.com and the name says it all. Jeremy bought the URL to disrupt the boring and outdated promotional products industry because swag should stand for something new and be bought differently and it should be stuff people actually want to keep. His firm saw tremendous growth in 2020 while most other promotional product companies either laid low or faltered completely. In the end, his brand succeeded because he has a razor-sharp focus on his customer's experience. This is a lesson in smart brand positioning within a commodity vertical and on leading with empathy. But before we dive in, I'd like to thank the latest supporters of the show, Danielle Pastula, Caleb and Brett Blino for joining the Creative Circle and Ben Fabian and Mohamed Fava Adi for joining the Startup Circle. Head on over to patreon.com slash hitting the mark to join them and hop on mentorship calls to help you create brand clarity around your creative business or your startup with yours truly. Plus, it helps keep the show advertising free. So thank you. And now, without further ado, over to my inspiring conversation with Jeremy. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. So great to be here. Great to have you. So the majority of my guests come onto the show because I reached out to them. I have read about their companies and I wanted to have them share their story on my show. But I also get bombarded with inquiries of PR firms and I usually just delete them because I cannot reply to each and every one of them. Yet every now and then an inquiry comes my way and I immediately accept. And that was the case with you, Jeremy. So someone from your team reached out and it was an easy sell. I wrote a book titled Bigger Than This, How to Turn Any Venture into an Admired Brand a few years ago. And I studied brands that were selling commodity products, yet people went crazy over them. And there was no big innovation on the product level, but there was extraordinary differentiation on the brand level. One of the case studies in the book is Poppin, who entered the very boring office product market. So think staplers, mouse pads, pens, right? And they did so with nothing but a great splash of color. So they suddenly offered a color assortment, which was super cool because companies could have their color pens and their color swag, right? Um, 
And Swag.com has a lot of similarities. It's, it's, it's a boring market space that you disrupted with a fun and human-centered brand. Fast forward to last year, where I wrote a blog post titled, Why You Should Give Away Your Product and Why Swag Is Dead, <laughs> which, which talked about the only impact that bad swag has, which is really on the environment, right? So rather than a marketing or HR um, ROI. So, okay, with that, with that that intro with that being said um i was super excited when i when i got you guys pitch and i'm like this is amazing so cherry you are the founder of swag.com a top e-commerce platform for purchasing promo materials people actually want to keep you had two thousand percent growth over three years made it on to number 218 on inc's top 500 fastest growing companies list and swag.com has customers like tiktok netflix facebook amazon mercedes ah whatever right starbucks everyone everyone right um so after my long intro i'd love to hand it over to you to tell us how swag.com came about and how you are indeed doing things differently awesome i love the intro Really appreciate it. Yeah, so we started the business in 2016. And a little bit about my background. I used to be a documentary filmmaker in college. That's what I thought I might want to do or I was interested in. And when I graduated college, so I won this Vail Film Festival, a big film festival and on the top of the mountain. And I remember asking myself two questions because after we won the award, they go to this kind of like celebrity brunch. And I'm going into the celebrity brunch and half the room are these celebrities that we've all heard of. And half the room are these more struggling artists. And <laughs> I had to ask myself that, that question. Number one, am I good enough? And number two, do I really love it? And both answers were no. So when I realized that I didn't truly love filmmaking, I didn't think, frankly, I was that good, um, I should probably do something else. So I started a company right after I graduated college, had no knowledge of business whatsoever. And I started a high-end t-shirt company. And I thought this would teach me what I was good at, what I was bad at, what I enjoyed. And really, you know, from marketing to PR to how to build an e-commerce site to how to do manufacturing, fulfillment, et cetera. I launched this high-end t-shirt company, company in 2007. Now, take your listeners back to 2007. This was when the recession hit. This was Bear Stearns, Lehman Brothers. All these banks were going under. So all these high-end stores that we were selling to went under as well. No one was looking to buy high-end t-shirts. And I had this idea at the time to tie the prices of our shirts to the prices of the Dow Jones. So for every 100 points the Dow dropped, we would give customers a little discount on their T-shirt price. And it was a little bit, was a little bit right? But it got picked up by a lot of different blogs, from Ad Age to Mark Cuban's blog, Blog Maverick, and people were calling it like a very innovative pricing strategy to handle the recession, et cetera. And ultimately, these articles got seen by the CEO of a very large promotional product company. So I was 22 years old and I ended up meeting this big CEO of this promotional product company. They have 900 plus employees. I had no experience in promotional products. I had no idea what a promotional product was. I never really thought about it. I never thought about like the, the details, intricacies, the sales process, none of it. But when I became friends with this person, I started to you know, go to trade shows with him and learn and kind of see what was, what was the industry like. And I learned at the time, the buyer was very old, as much an old buyer. The system was very broken, fragmented. So the actual purchasing of swag at the time was heavily reliant on presentation decks or catalogs or phone calls to close sales. It didn't really appeal to me in the way, like I, for me, I would love to just go on the site and buy it myself. But at the time, the buyer was an older buyer and, and they didn't mind this fragmented nature of the purchasing. Fast forward 12 years, 
I've done a lot of different startups from starting a company with my brother and Jesse Itzler. We did product placement, oh, wow. YouTube videos where we basically partnered with major celebrities that everyone's heard of and owned their Twitter and Facebook feeds. And we would get brands like State Farm and Col Colgate and Verizon into the YouTube videos. So we did this and I learned a lot about branding and how to you know, do partnerships and connection. But I was always so fascinated by this promotional industry and how fragmented it was when I was 22 years old, when I, start, when I really started my, my career out of college. And when I realized over the course of those 10 years that the buyer has changed. The industry has remained broken, fragmented, old, but the buyer has changed. The buyer is now this young millennial. So how do we build a platform for them that they're able to easily purchase swag and do it with, with our current buyers, the millennial. They, they don't want to search through thousands of products. They don't want to you know, talk to anyone on the phone. They want to buy it themselves. There's no real brand that appeals to them. So I said, let's just go all in on today's buyer. And, and that's where we got swag.com. So 2016, launched the first version, did about 350,000 in sales the first year. Really manual process, just going and knocking on doors, trying to learn what type of platform we should be building. 2017, launched the first version of our e-commerce site, did about 1.1 million. 2018, the site's getting better, did about 3 million. 2019, about 7 million. And last year we did over 15 and a half million, and this year we're on track to do 30 million. So really growing over 100% year over year, and really just trying to automate the experience and make the buying purchasing experience really seamless. Amazing, right? It's all about the experience. It's, it's, it's all about just putting yourselves into the shoes of your customer. And that's pretty much all it took in the beginning, right? I mean, that was the big epiphany of like, well, why is it so difficult? Why does it suck so bad? <laughs> so, right. And that's the one thing that, that, that most entrepreneurs just oversee. They focus so much on the product and on features and they forget about the target audience where really that's where every, every, everything starts. But, but let's go back to, to how you actually um, got these amazing clients, right? So instead of working your way from small clients up, I read about you wanting your first clients to always be big brands, right? You basically said, this is how we want to start. We want to have one big client in the very, from the very, from the very get-go. Um, yeah. That strategy paid off. Your first client was Facebook. Then yeah. you walked into WeWork and they asked you who your other clients were. You didn't really have any other clients but Facebook, but you just said Facebook and that was all they needed, which is, yeah. so, which is so awesome. But how did you get into Facebook? I mean, that's no easy task. No, no, it wasn't. And you're exactly right. So our idea from the very beginning was we had this amazing brand. We have swag.com. We didn't have a website. We had a landing page. We had nothing at this point. This was like month one um, of our business in 2016. But we wanted to get those blue chip name companies. We wanted to, when people come to our site, ultimately, they would see that row of logos that says, oh, clearly they work with WeWork and Facebook and Google and all these companies. Clearly, they could work with me. That was one bucket of our thinking. And the second bucket of our thinking is, we wanted to build the platform ultimately. Now, we didn't know what the platform was going to look like or how it was going to function because we wanted to learn from our customers. And our feeling is if we're going to go after customers, I want to have the best customers, customers that we can not just scale you know, amongst their office managers, but we could build a product that could work with their marketing team and their sales team and their London office and the New York office and all these different departments and locations and permission settings and approval flows. That was the idea from the very beginning, like really build a robust e-commerce experience for purchasing of swag, but also an experience for managing of swag and doing it for, for large corporations. So our feeling from the very beginning is we, we should get these customers on board, but really learn from them. So with Facebook, we, I just literally went to all of my LinkedIn contacts, found somebody I knew at Facebook, made a meeting with him, 
And ultimately when I, and obviously this person at, at Facebook, he was a salesperson, he, he didn't buy swag. It wasn't his, his goal, but I figured if I could get into the building, then we could kind of network our way to get the first sale. And so you're literally, you're literally saying into the building, like you physically yeah. just wanted to get into the building and start networking within yeah. the building. Yeah. <laughs> security, yeah. security. No, exactly. <laughs> no, our feeling really from the very beginning was we didn't have a platform. We had nothing to sell on the site, but uh, if I could show up at the building and I could bring in like a bag of swag, like literally be a traveling salesman, if you will, and show <laughs> the quality of the products, it would be hard for them not to want to buy it if they were in the market to buy. So that first day, I mean, we really went up and down hallways and I asked my friend, he introduced me to one person and they say, oh, actually this person in this division actually buys one. And we ultimately were like showing up at this person's desk saying, hey, my name is Jeremy, nice to meet you. Are you looking for slack? It was kind of, it was kind of funny, <laughs> but it didn't matter. Like to us, it wasn't about how much we made. It wasn't about how big the order was. And frankly, we didn't care what they bought. It was just about getting that initial customer so that we could use that to get the second customer and then use those to get the third customer and really just build upon ourselves, but also learn what the process is. What, what do they like about the current process of buying swag? What do they hate? What kind of products were they looking for? What kind of use case did they need? So all these early conversations, it really was just for us to learn what the right product that we should ultimately be building is. And, and, that, and that learning kept going. I mean, you, you kept doing it over and over until today, right? And, and I do want my listeners to understand that um, you very much innovated along the way, despite being in the swag business, where you would think you really can't. I mean, for those of you who don't understand swag, it's literally, usually, it's, it's you know, it's like, it's like products like water bottles and T-shirts, and you just slap a logo on it and you sell it en masse, right? And that's pretty much yeah. it. But, but yeah. despite being in that business, um, you know, tell us a bit about, you know, the digital lockers, so to say that you have and, and the custom landing pages for employees where they can make their choices and the automated distribution yeah. because you you have very smart initiatives and all of them you were thinking about well what does the customer how can we make the customer's journey easier and and, yeah. and just tell us a little bit about some of those innovations that you guys did over the years yeah so when we started the first concept was let's just make the buying experience effortless. So before having anything else, we had, by the way, we had all these ideas for many years, for over five years in our brain, writing down notes of detail to what we ultimately want. We ultimately always knew we wanted to do these swag closets, and I'll get to, into that in a second, and how that all works. But from the very beginning, we can't build everything. We have very limited resources. So our first goal was, let's just build a great e-commerce experience that makes customers, gives them customers the ability to buy swag in less than three minutes. That was our goal. Because every other site that we went to in the market, it took around 10 minutes, if they even had an e-commerce component, where many of these big players and promotional products are very manual, which you're not mm -hmm. even able to check out yourself. You have to speak to someone on the phone. So how do we remove all of the friction? So we just went over what everyone else did and then kind of separated ourselves for like a good year where we didn't look at any of our competitors and just analyze what our customers were asking for. So we built this really great e-commerce experience where people could find what they want, a curated selection. So we're not offering thousands of mugs. We offer the top 25 mugs and top 25 water bottles and top 25 t-shirts, like really giving a curated experience so people don't get overwhelmed with too many choices. Once they find the product that they're looking for, they can easily upload their logo, mock up the product. Now, when they upload their logo, we built this technology that detects not only how many colors are in their logo, but the nearest Panto match. So <laughs> obviously, if you're a customer for Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola red is very important versus Staples red, right? They're completely different colors. So really giving the customer the confidence that we're going to get their print perfect and also their color perfect. So really removing friction. 
So right, in historical, office managers want to buy swag, but then they need to go to their designer to see what the Pantone color is. And many designers don't even know what the Pantone color is, right? Because they've never done printing. So we take out <laughs> all of that kind of back and forth headache. So we just went one by one. And every, every issue that the customers were having, we said, okay, let's figure out a solution to fix it and kind of streamline it and build it faster. In fact, now on our site, it's less than two minutes where you can find what you're looking for, design it, and buy it in a matter of seconds. In 2017, we started to talk to a lot. I mean, all along the way, we were never stopping. It wasn't like, let's talk to customers now, let's build it, and then forget about the customer. It's always been about learning from the customer and listening to the customer. And the customer doesn't always know what they what, what is exactly right or what we should be focusing on. But more times than not, they're going to give us a lot of ideas of what we should be building. And we have a detailed list of, well, 15 customers asked for this exact same thing. Clearly, this is something that people want. Mm. This, this will help a lot of customers. So we have running tallies of features. I would say over 90% of the features that we've built have been become, it, it's been based on a customer you know, suggestion, which is really great. And I, and I like that. And obviously, we have 10% or 15% that we're just coming up with ideas that customers never even thought about. And I'll get into that. Like we're doing this feature right now that we're building called um, Collaboration Mode. Now, no customers asked for this, but it's just an idea that what we want is since everyone's working remotely, we want customers to be able to work together on the same platform. So let's say I have an account. I can invite Jennifer and Peter and Lawrence on my team, and they all can log in into my own account where they could all be purchasing and adding stuff to the cart. And then ultimately, Jennifer, the designer or the office manager can log in and she could buy it and stuff. So you can kind of share the same cart where people can be buying things, adding things, and designing things. It all gets lumped into one cart and get, gets purchased by whoever has the ability to purchase. That's an idea that no customers ask for. Mm -hmm. But I think as people are working so remotely, everyone's so disconnected, no one's you know huddled around their office. Because we saw that when people buy swag, it's kind of a joint effort. Like People are huddling around the same computer and they're picking things. Oh, I like that notebook or I like that pen. And they're doing it together. So... If no one's in the same office, how do you allow people to do that same interaction uh, remotely? So we're coming with definitely innovative ideas like that. But at the same time, we're also listening to our customers. And in 2017, our customers told us about account-based marketing, that they wanted to be able to send swag to remote addresses. So we started to hear this a lot. Instead of just sending swag in bulk, that's the historical nature. You buy 1,000 T-shirts, 1,000 T-shirts are sent to one office. These new customers were saying, I would love to send 1,000 T-shirts to 1,000 different addresses. I would love to engage with my you know, best customers. I would love to engage with leads to help close sales. They weren't really thinking at this point so much so about work from home culture or remote employees, but it was more just about engaging with your best customers and leads. And we started to really build out our swag distribution platform where people could buy a thousand t-shirts and on the shipping page, instead of putting their address in, they click a button, it notifies our system. We hold those a thousand t-shirts in our warehouse, and then we give them the tools to distribute that swag however they want it. You know, one t-shirt here, 50 t-shirts there, a thousand t-shirts to a thousand different addresses. If they don't have the recipient's address, they could create a landing page in a matter of seconds, upload your logo, your colors, blast out a link to all of their attendees or virtual event attendees nowadays, or their remote employees, or their best customers or leads, where they could select what t-shirt size they are, what address they are. It speaks to our system, we could distribute it. If they're a marketing team, they can have the marketing closet, which only the people who have the marketing closet gets access to, or the sales closet. Completely different in a London office, in a New York office. You could have it completely broken down by budget, by departments, by credit cards on file. Every single thing is saved so you keep track of all of your tracking information and what's been sent and how much inventory you have at all times. Because right now, if you buy swag to your office and you have a thousand t-shirts in your closet, you really have no idea what your inventory is. You can have 800, you can have 700, you can have no smalls. You're never going to know. I mean, just imagine boxes yeah. Yeah. on top of each other. Now, in this inventory closet that we have, 
you can keep track of everything in real time. And whenever you're running low in stock, we'll send smart notifications to restock. We started building this about two years ago and we launched the beta version in January of last year. So the time <laughs> was really insane. We didn't expect that a pandemic would hit. We didn't expect that everyone would frankly need this service. And the, the platform was built in such a way that was really targeted towards account-based marketing. So to marketing teams or to sales teams. And what happened is when the pandemic hit, our sales went from you know, 850,000 in February, which was one of our best months ever, to 350,000 in March. You know, <laughs> 350,000 in April, the world completely fell sure. apart. Yeah. The whole industry was down over 44% in our industry. But we realized we had this platform that we've been building and thinking about. We have to reposition it, rebrand it, retell the story, create new ads, train the team, change the homepage to really tell the story of, well, now that your, your team is all working remotely, how do you keep the company culture thriving even when no one's in the office? How do you engage with your best customers if you're not going to be going to those trade shows? Right? It makes sense that the industry is down. Right? There's no office managers buying swag because no one's in the office. HR managers are not buying for onboarding new hires because no one's being hired. There are no trade shows. So marketing teams are not buying for trade shows. So it's, it's clear on the surface of why the industry would fall off a cliff. But we grew over 100%. And the reason is because we really adapted super early to really push this work from home narrative that to keep your company culture thriving, you need our service. And we had the best platform because we were building it for over two years at that point. Totally. Yeah. It's a, no, it's, it's, it's just super cool. And I mean, in the end, this is all continuously, continuously adjusting your brand's positioning, right. And, 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 and showing empathy to your, to use it, because I bet you, and you know that, uh, you know, I'm sure that 90% of the other, you know, like swag, uh, providers out there, they just basically gave up. They're like, okay, shoot, we're kind of screwed right now. Let's lay low. <laughs> right. It's like, let's, you know, let's fire people. Let's kind of like make it through this, you know, let's, let's, let's just go hustling and try to get a couple of orders in, but that's it, right? Well, so you're like, well, well, how do people feel today? Like, how do people feel working at home? How do how does the office manager feel? How does the manager feel, right? And 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 I mean, it's so huge. And it and it's, you know, it, that's what it takes to quote unquote pivot is to really put yourself into into those shoes. And it's so easy to say, but it's so, it's so difficult to do. Um, I mean, now you've got this entire WFH, uh, work from home, um, entire assortment, right? You've got a virtual happy hour tab on your site where people can just buy stuff for virtual happy hours, right? Um, you have a homeschool area, right? I mean, all of this stuff, you know, and, and then you've got, you've got brands like North Face, Moleskin, Yeti, like brands actually, you actually want, right? Like you would actually spend real money on. And when all of this comes together, it's, it's the magic. How, how, does the, how does that curation take place? Like how often do you actually exchange your products? Because in a way, you are, you are a little more like a, like a retail you know, shop where stuff always needs to be current. You need to understand the zeitgeist. You need to understand fashion, right? How do you do that? Do you have a whole a team that just constantly resorts everything? Yes, yeah, so it's a good question. In the very beginning, it was me and my co-founder, Josh, literally showing up at different stores, calling different stores, calling different suppliers, and testing a lot of products. And what we found, and it's, it's, it, it made us even more excited, is that 95% of the products we tested were throwaway, stuff that you would never want to keep. And our entire brand is about products that you actually want to keep. So imagine you're buying swag. If, if the stuff ends up in the trash, it not only costs your company money, right? Because no one's going to be using it, but it tarnishes your brand. Totally. So you have to really focus on quality stuff. And it doesn't have to be the flashy, you know, the pop socket or this or that. 
It just has to be something that really people want to keep. So a really nice pair of socks, a backpack, you know, a notebook, a water bottle, a mug that they're actually going to want to keep. And we've tested a lot and we've curated, constantly been curating it. Now we have a team of product specialists who are sourcing, just constant sourcing and testing things. And if we ever have a, a bad feedback from a product that we offer, we just remove it from the site. And we're constantly adding new brands. And we have, you know, Brooklyn in on our site and No More London and Delroy Backpacks and a lot mm -hmm. of direct consumer brands that other promotional product companies are not featuring, they're not offering. And frankly, they're not able to because historically you think of the swag industry as tchotchke and throwaway, right? And we're trying to change the brand and saying, no, it's actually an amazing marketing channel for companies. For if, if you're, if a company like Bellroy backpacks, you're a really high end backpack, you're really premium. Our customers want those backpacks because it differentiates them. It's really quality, especially our buyers. They want to make sure that they're buying stuff that is actually being kept. But for the, for the D to C brand, it's actually super powerful as well. It's a great marketing channel. Now when Facebook buys 300 Bellroy backpacks, that's not only Bellroy making a lot of money in bulk as opposed to having to sell one at a time, mm -hmm. having 300 people at Facebook who could fall in love with their brand and ultimately become lifelong customers. Totally. So it's a, it's a great marketing strategy. So we're selling this concept to a lot of these D2C brands, a lot of really cool brands. And we're saying, you know, I understand why you wouldn't want your products featured on the, on the other promotional product sites because it doesn't necessarily feel cool, but come to us. We're going to elevate your brand. We're going to highlight your brands. We're going to feature your brand. And we're gonna make it. We're gonna make it stand out. So we're just constantly iterating, adding products, removing products, sourcing new products, and we want to be known as not only the best place to buy quality promotional products, but the best place to buy products that no one else can get anywhere else. And you know, I mean, we we you hinted at this, right? But being able to make your brand synonymous with an industry term is uh, is is really genius, right? Especially when it is a fun short word like swag. But when you come in to disrupt the category that is seen as dodgy, as cheap, right, boring. Um, did you ever think of it being a risk to use that shaded industry term? I mean, obviously it worked out really, really well, right? But 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 uh, did you feel a little risk doing that? No, I, I, I felt so confident in the name <laughs> that was the first thing from the very get-go because number one, swag.com is insanely memorable. Right when you hear it, yeah. you'll never forget it, right? And that was the first thing. The second thing is, it's what today's buyer, the millennial buyer, the buyer I'm really going after, they call it. So my whole concept, and it's been working, is I want people to be having offline conversations because typically swag is not just something, it's, for, put it this way, when you're, when you're scrolling through Facebook and you're advertised a pair of shoes, right? You might buy it because you're like, oh, that does look really cool. Like it's like a spur of the moment type mm -hmm. of uh, you know, consumer purchase. Swag is not that, right? You're an office manager, a marketing team. It's a $2,000 purchase. It's not your own money. It's your company's money. You're typically buying it around a certain event, right? Like a trade show is coming up or you want to engage with your best customers. It's, it's, there's planning that goes involved in it. So it's not like an impulse buy, historically. Yeah. So when, when it's not an impulse buy, you have to be really on top of mind because what's going to happen is you could be in front of somebody, a customer, whether it's a Facebook ad or Google ad, a blog post, a market, whatever it is, you're, you, they see it and then they really don't even need to buy it right then and there. So three, four months, six months later, their boss is talking to them offline saying, hey, we actually need swag for this event. They need to think of you at that exact moment, <laughs> Yeah. right? So it's more important than ever to have such a short, you know, name that is so memorable. And really, when we said swag.com, we wanted to turn these offline conversations into online purchasing. That was the idea. Get in front of them in January, but when they want to purchase in October, they think of swag.com because it triggers, oh, I want to buy swag, swag.com, type it directly into the browser so we could convert customers without having to pay for them. 
And then, of course, when you wanted to buy Swag.com, it was a million dollars. Yeah, it was actually it was more. It was, it was like they're asking like 1.2 million. Um, ultimately, it took us about almost nine months to negotiate. It, it, tell us that story. I would be. I mean, as much as you feel confident talking about it, right? Like, uh, is, if anything is confidential. But but I, I heard a little bit of that, and I love how you your strategy of how to actually end up paying. I don't know, 200k, and kind of like making it make, making this contract uh, work. Yeah, so so two hundred thousand dollars, obviously a ton of money for a domain name. Even though I thought that for a was startup, a, yeah, for sure, for startup. I mean, that was literally <laughs> we didn't have that money, frankly. So in <laughs> the very beginning, we worked out a deal with the owner where we, we would exclusively license the domain name for a two-year period, with the option to buy it for two hundred thousand. And for that exclusive license period, we would give him a little bit of of the company. So our feeling was this: we're we're these young startup guys. We didn't have tons of money. You know, to spend two hundred thousand dollars on a do domain name before we even had a website, before we raised any money at all, <laughs> is, is a big risk. Yeah. So our is, let's give a little bit of the company something that we could definitely live with, and we could then use the swag.com domain name from day one. We could feel we could have this image of a brand and start building a brand value yeah. from day one. Um, and that's what we did. And about six months later, we said, you know what, we don't want to wait the two years. Um, we're just going to buy it right now. So we're able to raise a little bit of money. We used some of the money we made in the first six months of sales. And acquire the domain name in six months. Um, so it was. It, it just worked. It allowed us to get in the door. Allowed us to secure the names. No one, nobody else would get it. Um, and then ultimately have this brand that's been building over the last five, five and a half years, where our SEO is is more than doubling every single year at this point. You know, back to back to the question: What's in a name, right? That's what that's what's in a name, and how much is the domain worth it, right? It 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 just so depends on the industry that you're trying trying to disrupt. It's it's genius. I mean, a whip whip smart move, um, and uh, and one that uh, that takes a lot of gut to actually pull off that early on to to put all of your bets onto onto that onto that name. Um, let's talk a little bit more about uh, the naming convention. Uh, you, you're doing something really cool called a uh, swag swap. Um, mm -hmm. it's it, it's a wonderfully crafted term, <laughs> and it's it all but can you tell us a little bit about about what it is and how it works because i personally think it's it's a super cool initiative yes and this is this is not even an idea we came up recently this was an idea from from the, the first day we were thinking of well there's all this kind of we call throwaway swag yeah. out in the marketplace and everyone you know has a closet of stuff that they've gotten from a trade show that they just never wear and our feeling is this so from day one and i'll even ask you you think about all these marketing channels Right, you have you have TV commercials. People are trained at this point to avoid ads and commercials or getting marketed to at all costs. Right, they're watching TV and they fast forward through commercials, or they're reading a, a magazine and they flip through the ads to get to the content, or they're online and they're browsing the internet and they have, everyone has ad blockers, you know, blocking ads. People hate ads. People are trying to avoid ads at all costs. Yeah. But when you give somebody something really quality, what do they say? They say thank you. It's like the only ad medium where if you give somebody something quality, they say thank you. But if you give somebody you know something that's throwaway, they probably say thank you, but then they throw it away two seconds later, and it doesn't really <laughs> have any impact whatsoever. And yeah. what we found is there's so many people and there's so many companies in general that have closets full of just stuff that they'll never want, yeah. whether it's an old logo, whether it's you know just poorly made, whether it's just sitting there. Um, so our feeling is. What if we could get companies to donate all of their old swag that might not be useful to them, but could be useful to a lot of people, homeless shelters, you yep. know, charities, and we would give them a discount on their next purchase. So we've been, you know, promoting this since day one, 2016, and we've had a lot of companies donating a lot of their old swag to people and really helping people. And then we give them a discount on their new stuff with us. 
So it's been it's been a, a win win for everybody. Totally awesome. Yeah, and I think that goes back to my introduction, right? When I wrote about how swag is dead, right? Because it's just it's just bad for the environment and it doesn't really change the ROI. You guys knew that from the beginning, and you knew how to actually improve the ROI and how to also improve the environmental impact of what you're giving, so that you don't give crap, but you give something great, right? And that's a huge that's a huge huge difference. Um, for for a brand that is all about placing other brands' logos onto your swag. You decided not to have a colorful, bold logo of sorts. Um, instead, it is very minimalistic, uh, black type and a black outline box. I assume, just like everything that you guys do, that this did not happen by accident. Uh, instead, it must have been a calculated move to allow you, Swag.com, to stand out on your own website while letting your client's logo shine, right? That is 100%. You got it. I mean, from the very beginning, it was... We had to get a great logo. Now, a lot of people in the early days when I was designing the logo with our designer um, were like, oh, you're going to put a .com in the logo as well? Like, that's weird. That doesn't that seem so <laughs> Companies put the .com, but our feeling is if we had the name swag out there, no one's going to know it's an e-commerce site at all. We have to make it very clear that it's a destination. Yeah. So I want to be super bold and super clear. And by the way, every single t-shirt, not every t-shirt, but a lot of the t-shirts on our site are swag.com branded. So when... Facebook buys a thousand t-shirts and they're giving out a thousand t-shirts to a thousand different addresses. Um, every t-shirt says swag.com in the inner label. So, and our tagline is we made this. So it's we made this is not only about swag.com as the company made this t-shirt for your brand, but it also represents when you put on, if you work on Facebook and you put on that Facebook t-shirt, you want to feel, I mean, the whole point of, of swag is to feel like you're part of something, right? You're part of a team. So you want to feel like you made this, you made the company's Facebook. Right. If you work at Google and you wear a pair of Google socks, you want to feel like you made Google, like you are part of it. So we really want to get that essence with our logo and our branding in general of really putting our customers at the forefront. Like we're all about making your brand shine. Now we have a really cool brand and it's slick and it's minimalistic and it's colorful because we want to show off how fun swag can be. But at the end of the day, it's all about our customers, it's all about getting them the product that will make them, their brand shine and their brand be connected to one another. So while we're deep in, in, in that branding conversation, you, I mean, you, you started a lot of companies. Um, you, you're still you're still very young. Um, you you just totally hit it with this one um, perfectly. Um, you have always been very brand forward, um, maybe subliminally so, but I think it's it, it, it must be it must be a passion of yours uh, personally. What what does branding mean to you after going through all of this? Like what 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 is branding to you? Yeah, you hit it on the nail. Like I, I was, I'm like one of these weird kids who was obsessed with branding in high school. Like that's why I always wanted to be a branding guy, always. <laughs> and when I went to film school, I was at BU, and I was going to be a marketing major in college. And I, I was at the BU, um, the comm school. And I'm looking at the curriculum between marketing and film, and I realized that <laughs> film pretty much had the exact same curriculum, except for film would teach me how to make videos. And this was at the early onset of YouTube, and I figured. I better learn how to tell stories through video as well. I guess that's be a very powerful medium. So I went the film route. I was probably the only filmmaker in the film school that never wanted to be a filmmaker. Even though I went, I won this Vail Film Festival and I, I went down that path a little bit, it was never my, my true passion. Um, I always loved telling stories through video. And I think brand is just so important to tell the right story. There's so many companies out there. There's so many companies that do the exact same thing, especially in a, an industry like ours, like a commodity industry where you're selling other people's products. Now, in our mind, we never really, even though everyone calls us a commodity business, we never really felt like we were because the products that we're offering is number one, 
oftentimes not available anywhere else. So it's like no one can even get some of the products that we offer on our site. And the products that they do get can offer on our site, we've curated down to make it the experience for customers to easily find it. So curation is a differentiator. It doesn't mm -hmm. seem like, but it really is. And then making our platform really simple. Like we're, we're allowing people to purchase stuff and hold stuff and inventory stuff and distribute stuff effortless. It's, 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 it's so much easier than really any other platform in our industry. So the combination of all of these elements and then telling a really, you know, very focused story. Our story is very focused. It's swag.com. We help you buy quality swag. And then if we're going to say that we have to make you both help you buy the swag easy and also help you buy quality stuff easy. So just really kind of dictated the mission and what our focus has been. I think, I think that idea of uh, focus is so important, right? So, you, you know, like, I mean, what I do with my consultancy, right? It's like, we, I, I always call it, we, we create brand clarity, right? Because it's all about clarity. Once you know exactly what your brand stands for and what you focus on, everything else will kind of fall in place because you, you, you just have this focus, this way to have focus. So I, I totally, I totally agree with you. Um, if you would, if you would give, brand advice right like so advice very focused on just the idea of of of, of branding um and branding obviously not just being the logo and the name but it's it's everything right like how to create create a brand that people love um what would be some some advice for for founders um you know kind of like as a as, a, as an early takeaway for, for for the episode yeah i think people just need to have a point of view right mm -hmm. like it's all point of view especially in your early days you don't really know what you are and i would say we were I was very lucky in swag in many ways because I had the experience in the promotional product industry from 12 years prior. So I knew what I was not. I knew that what I didn't want to be. I knew, I knew with the old experiences, I know how broken the industry was. And then I was realizing who the current buyer is. So how do I appeal to today's buyer? So from the very beginning, I had a very distinct focused point of view. So I think anytime you're starting a business, you might not know exactly and things could adapt. And as you see, tons of companies change their logos and their colors and you know, their experience over time. And that's part of the business. I'm sure we'll change certain things over time as well. Um, but I think from the get go, just having a really strict point of view that is adaptable and that could change and that could grow as your customers grow. And as you learn really who you are. Totally. I, I mean, you, 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 you hit it, you hit it on, on, on the head. Totally. That that's exactly it, right? Like having starting, starting it off like that is, is crucial. And most founders don't do that. And I think uh, it's uh, obviously, you know, it's a struggle. It's a struggle thereafter. And when, when I, when I work with my clients and actually get them to that idea of like, yes, this is our brand. Like this is where we're heading. This is the focus. There's, there's one exercise that I do at the very, very end that I'm going to totally put you on the spot here. Um, uh, but I think you can handle it. Something tells me you can, um, where, where I, I say, okay, now that we've done all of this work together, if you could, if you could describe your brand in one word, what would that word be? So if you think about Coca-Cola, they want to be seen as happiness, Evelyn is transparency, um, like thinking about swag.com, what is, what is one word or two words, right? Like a quick descriptor that can, can really describe the essence of the, of the swag.com brand. Well, from the very beginning, I always thought of swag.com as fun. Mm -hmm. That was that was what I was going for from the first day because I was thinking, well, what is swag should be fun. It's fun. I mean, it, it brings people together. When you buy swag, it's usually around an event. It's it's when you're walking down the street and you see somebody wearing the same t-shirt as you or the same company t-shirt, you feel instantly connected to that person if you've never met that person, right? Like it's one of these things that brings people together and that's just fun. And then the second thing, the second word that I always used to think about swag is just creative. And you, if you see it even on our logo, we have the, the, the simple black logo, right? Swag.com. 
that you could change the colors, but it's very just bold. It's in your face. It's very clear. There's no kind of mistaking it. But if you look at our secondary logo, it's a checkered box. It's an empty checkered box, mm -hmm. which is like a very weird logo. Like who's, an empty checkered box is probably the simplest logo you could possibly think of. And our idea for that was always, I want when people see the checkered box to instantly think I need to fill that checkered box. I need to put my logo in it. I need to put my, like our whole brand is about elevating our customers. It's all about elevating our customers' brand. Like if you're Facebook and you really care about your brand, well, we want to be the place that shows you that and shows you that we value your brand and we're going to help you elevate your brand so that you shine. It's not really about us. It's about our customers. So we want to be like this empty kind of state of we're going to print whatever you want us to print. We're going to do what you want us to do, but we're going to do it in a really nice, elegant way. And you, you also do some some crazy products. I mean, you you do very customized, um, yep. you know, products. I mean, people can just come to you and say, "Hey, here's here's this here's this bike. You know, could you could you custom you know customize yep. this bike? <laughs> you know, I mean, things like that, which is which is super cool. Hey, before before I let you go, um, there's 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 this fine line between branding and marketing, right? And the two of them uh, always need to need to work hand in hand. You guys are nailing it with uh, with, with with marketing. Um, and uh, I I want to ask you. What is what is the number one way, it doesn't need to be literal, but what is one of the big ways in which you, on the one hand, attract new clients as a brand, and on the other hand, keep current clients engaged, right? So what are, what are some of these some of these ways? Because there's so much stuff out mm -hmm. there, right? I mean, you know, digitally, right? How you can keep people engaged and how you can start finding new ones. And, and people spend tons of money on all kinds of different services. Um, what works for you guys? I mean, what are, what are some ways that you that, that, that you love operating that you're that, that you wouldn't mind sharing with my audience? Sure. So to keep customers engaged, I think that is always the biggest challenge with every business, trying to keep them happy. But for us, we put a very big focus on customer service. So beyond, and by the way, customer service is not just the team that we have in place who's engaging with customers, giving them a great experience and always being there for them. It's often the product itself that we're building. It's the products itself that we're offering, right? Like we need to have the right products for customers to buy. We need to have products that they otherwise couldn't get. And we also need a great product, as we like to say, our, our site, our user experience, to make it really easy for them to buy. That's a big part of customer experience. But also, it's the team in the back end that's helping people when they have issues, helping people when they can't find something that they're looking for, helping people to help them source something that will make them stand out and unique. So customer service, I think, is the best thing that we're putting all of our attention and focus on across the board uh, for keeping customers happy. Now, to get customers in the door, our big differentiator is the fact that we are willing to try new things. I think that's in an industry that's so fragmented and broken, mm -hmm. everyone's doing the same stuff. They're doing the Google ads, they're doing the LinkedIn ads, they're doing, they're doing all the, the classic stuff. But for us, it's really doubling and tripling down on our brand, on our brand voice, on SEO, on organic, on content, and just the, the, the nature of the business itself. Now, I'll explain this to you. Every single t-shirt, most of our t-shirts say swag.com on inner label, right? So, our customers are inherently marketing our, our product. Every time someone makes a distribution from the inventory platform, there's a shipping label that says powered by swag.com. So when Amazon makes a distribution to 5,000 of their best employees, every single one of those employees are getting an Amazon mug or a t-shirt or whatever, and they open up the package and it says powered by swag.com. Now there's all other divisions now are knowing about swag.com, right? Yeah. Every time you know, Google does a, does a giveaway on our site where they create a landing page to capture information from their virtual event attendees or their best, whoever they want to reward. And they want to capture what the t-shirt size they are, what mug color they want, what address they are. Because many people don't know the addresses of all these remote people. Every single link says powered by swag.com. So we're, we're 
we're building the platform itself that will do the viral marketing for us. And what we've seen is our customers are just marketing us without even necessarily knowing. And it doesn't affect them. It doesn't in any way deter them from wanting to send out links. Just small power by swag. It's just, it's the service. Yep. You know, we're not, we're taking a back seat, but we're also allowing all the recipients to now know, oh, clearly Google uses them. This is something that I could use as well. And you spend a lot of time and money creating creating a cool brand that that they don't mind co-promoting, yep. and and that's exactly. and that's huge, right? Because they would mind that with a lot of other vendors. And 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 back to the swag.com and how important that was, right? To to become an instantaneous industry leader per se, right? Um, because you 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 bought the Kleenex.com basically, right? Um, which is which is really cool of your industry. Um, Awesome. Hey, this, this was, this was amazing. Um, how can people follow you personally or, or get in touch with you? And, uh, obviously we know where they can get swag. That's easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously you check us out at swag.com, S W A G.com. You can reach out to me personally. If you have any ideas or concepts, or you want to work with us, Jeremy at swag.com, or you can follow me on LinkedIn, um, as well. And yeah, we would love to work with, with, with everyone really help you guys out. That's awesome. I so appreciate your time. This was this was fun, educative, and um, it, it was really, really great having you here. Thanks for thanks for the time. Thanks so much for having me. Jeremy Parker, who must have been my first guest on the show, who actually speaks faster than me. But what a great brand story that so nicely pointed at what is so important to me, brand clarity and focus, and the rest will fall into place, almost. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I have the conversation. And if so, please subscribe, rate, and do share the show. Hitting the Mark is produced by my consultancy, Finian, where we create clarity for brand transformations. The episode was edited, as usual, by Everett Barton, and the Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One. I will see you next time when we, once again, will be hitting the mark. <laughs>